Chapter 6 Mrs. Clifton, from room 5, came running up to the front office at the crack of dawn in her pajamas. She banged on the window. Open up! I need to speak to a manager! My parents and I jumped out of bed and buzzed her in. What's wrong? I got a wake-up call for no reason at 6 a.m. That's why. Oh, that darn phone system. It must have mixed up waking Mr. Stein in room 6 at 5 a.m. with Mrs. Clifton in room 5 at 6 a.m. At the thought of Mr. Stein, I froze. I glanced at the clock on the wall. 6.10. He was going to miss his very important meeting. I raced out the back door in my pajamas and across the motel nearly crashing into Mr. Stein as his door swung open. Mr. Stein stepped out of his room in his robe, squinting at the morning sun. What time is it? he asked. I swallowed hard. We had to give both Mr. Stein and Mrs. Clifton refunds that day. As I handed back the dollar bills I had worked so hard to collect, my dad put his hand on my back while I fought back the tears in my eyes. It brought me straight back to Mrs. Fletcher's class last year. Mrs. Fletcher was my fourth grade teacher at my last school, and every week she gave a spelling quiz. Whoever got all the words right got to hold this special notebook for the day. The cover was rubber, and it looked and smelled like a giant bar of chocolate. You could keep it for the whole day, too, which meant any time you wanted, you could sniff the delicious chocolatey scent. The notebook was filled with little messages and jokes that all past winners had written down that the rest of us couldn't read. It was like belonging to a special club. Everyone wanted in the, on this club, and so did I. But then I started getting my quizzes back and seeing all my mistakes, and the chocolate notebook became as, un, as reachable as the moon. I stopped looking at it, stopped even thinking about it, until one day, toward the end of the year, Mrs. Fletcher called my name. The winner today is Mia, Mrs. Fletcher announced. The entire class spun around to look at me. They couldn't believe that some kid from China who was still learning English could win, and neither could I. There had to be some kind of mistake. But there was no mistaking it. Mrs. Fletcher was walking straight over to me with the notebook. She placed it in my trembling hands, and I held the notebook up to my nose and breathed in deep. As the rich, chocolatey smell swirled up my nose, I wanted to cry I was so happy. Then I looked up and saw Mrs. Fletcher's face. She was back at her desk, and she was looking over the spelling quizzes again. Something was wrong. Wait a minute. Hang on. There's been a mistake, she frowned. Mia, I'm going to need the notebook back. I shook my head and clutched the notebook tight. No, you can't do this. You can't take it away. You just gave it to me. But she did. She got up, walked over, and snatched it from my hands, just as swiftly as she had placed it there. The velvety chocolate scent, along with the pride in my belly, disappeared. That's what giving Mr. Stein and Mrs. Clifton back their money felt like that day. As I watched the bills slip away, the money I had worked so hard for on my first day at the front desk, I wondered which was better. To have had something for just a second and then have it taken away, or to have never had it at all. Mr. Yo came by with his son Jason later that day. We weren't expecting him, but since it was his motel, he could pop in anytime he wanted. Jason and I sat in the front office while our parents talked in the living room. While we fiddled with the keys, I tried to make conversation. So I checked a bunch of customers in yesterday, I said. He barely looked up. He wasn't much of a talker. And it went super well, I said cheerfully. I left out the part about Mr. Stein and Mrs. Clifton. 
He didn't need to know about that. In the next room, our parents' voices grew louder. That's not what we agreed to, I heard my mom say. Say says right here in the contract, terms may change from time to time, Mr. Yo replied. Jason and I looked at each other, and we both ran into the living room. But it's only been two days. You said we could have $5 a customer, my mom said. Those were your words. I said $5 a customer, not including the first 10 and the weeklies. I jumped to my mother's defense. You didn't, I said. You said $5 a customer. You never said anything about first 10 or weeklies. No, I heard him say. It was Jason. He insisted. I narrowed my eyes at him. You weren't even there. You went back to your room. I cut back. Enough, Mr. Yao yell, Yo yelled. That's the deal. Take it or leave it. I looked over at my mom. I could tell she was calculating how much money we'd be losing under the new arrangement. A lot from the way she was chewing her cheek. I turned to Mr. Yo and tried again. Please, I said to him. We're working really hard. My parents didn't even finish cleaning until eight last night. And the customers, they aren't so easy to deal with. We had to give two refunds this morning. Mr. Yo's eyes bulged. I felt myself shrink from an alpha to an omega. You had to give two refunds? I bit my lip and nodded. You're paying for those refunds, he fumed. My dad opened his mouth to protest and then closed it. Go ahead, Mr. Yo said. Just say the word. There are 10,000 other immigrants who will take your job in two seconds. The blood drained from my father's face. We want the job, he quickly reassured Mr. Yo. Please, sir, we really want the job. The corners of Mr. Yo's mouth turned. On their way out, Jason looked, leaned over. He had a smug look on his face. Two refunds, huh? Thought you said it went super well yesterday. I felt my ears boil. Chapter 7 I tried not to think about Mr. stupid Mr. Yo and Jason the rest of the day, but it was extremely difficult. How could they just change the terms on us like that? Now, whenever a customer returned the key, instead of getting $5, we were getting hardly anything. I counted the keys in my hand. There were eight there. I knew I had checked in 12 people yesterday. The other keys must still be in the rooms. I hopped off the stool and went out to the back to investigate. I found three of the keys in the rooms. The customers just left them there and went on their way. But I could not find the key to room nine. I looked everywhere but there was absolutely no key in the room and the customer was long gone. Did they accidentally take the key? I walked over to the laundry room where my parents were washing the towels and sheets. It was this big room way in the back of the motel, which had an industrial washing machine and dryer that ran 24 seven and made this awful grinding noise. Like it was drying metal screws and not hot sheets over the noise. I could hear my parents talking, please, sir. We still really want the job. My mom mimicked my dad. Why didn't you just kneel before him, she said. Fine. You want to quit? Let's quit, he, my dad said. Let's call him right now and quit. You know we can't quit, my mom said. Mia's starting school tomorrow. At the sound of my name, I thought about turning around and leaving. I hated hearing my parents argue. They hadn't really done it in China, but ever since we came to America, it was getting harder and harder to avoid. <clears throat> I cleared my throat. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Mia, my dad said, spinning around. He tried to look all happy like he, had just, he hadn't just been fighting. We were just talking, he said. I wanted to say to them, it's okay. You argue, argue sometimes. I get it. 
Room 9 left, but he didn't leave his key, I told him. What should I do? Wait, so there's no key? Well, there's the master key, I reminded them, but I can't give that out. All right, let me see what we can do, my mom said. My mom followed me out of the laundry room. When we got back to the front desk, we opened up all the cabinets. We eventually found a white box buried in the back of the drawer with the words, official spare keys and permanent marker. My mom took the box out and opened it. Sure enough, there were 30 official spare keys inside, one for each room. Here's the one for room nine, I said, picking it up and clutching it in my hand. Great, my mom said. I was about to hang the key on the little hook next to all the other keys when it occurred to me, we couldn't give this key out. This was our only spare key. What if someone took it? My mom sighed. We had no choice but to call Mr. Yo. As my mom explained the situation to him over the phone, I tried to squeeze in next to her to hear. What's he saying? I asked, but my mom just shook her head. I went over to my room and picked up the extension, just in time to hear Mr. Yo exclaim, What kind of idiot doesn't charge a deposit on the key? That would be me. For the record, I didn't charge a deposit on the keys because, well, who charges a deposit on keys? Deposits were for renting bikes and cars. Why would anyone want to steal a key? Mr. Yo told my mom we had to make a new key with the key machine underneath the front desk. My mom and I knelt down to look for it. We finally found it way in the back. It wasn't actually much of a machine, but more like an assortment of blank keys, needles, pins, and files with a big metal thing to keep the key in place while you worked on it. Leave it, my mom said. After I finish cleaning all the rooms, I'll make the key. Until then, don't touch it, okay? Do not try to make it. I nodded and waited until she went back out to the back. Any adult who says the words don't touch to a kid should know it's an open invitation to touch it. I accepted my mom's invitation and picked up one of the blank keys, holding it with, up with the spare key from room nine. With all its little ridges and valleys, I wondered, were we supposed to file the ridges and valleys? Was this how it worked? I gently ran the file against the blank key. To my surprise, it made a little dent. I ran the file again. Another dent. Hey, this wasn't so bad. I didn't even need the metal thing to clamp the key down. I could do it just by holding the key. I filed and filed. With each new dent, I sang, look at me, I'm making a key. I was having so much fun that I forgot to look at where I was filing and accidentally filed my finger. Ow, I cried. I dropped the file and the key and held up my throbbing finger. The skin of my index finger had been rubbed raw, and it was bleeding. I ran to the bathroom to get a Band-Aid, but there weren't any there. So I took some toilet paper and wrapped it around my finger. The toilet paper turned bright red in seconds. I grabbed more toilet paper and held it to the wound, even though it hurt like crazy. Eventually, the bleeding stopped. I wrapped the toilet paper in scotch tape. Around and around, with my tiny mummy finger all set, I sat back down at the front desk and glanced at the unfinished key. I should have stopped right there. I should have just put the key away and waited for my mom, like she said. That would have been the sensible thing to do. But I had this thing where if I started something, I had to finish it. It didn't matter what it was. Books, Chinese chess, or the last strawberry on the can candied skewers I used to eat back home. When I started something, I finished it. And so I picked up the blank key again with my gigantic finger, held it high out of the way, and started filing. Ten minutes later, I was done. It wasn't perfect, I'll admit, 
and it wasn't pretty by any standard. But when I held the spare to the blank, it had all the same ridges and valleys. As I stood back to admire my creation, a customer came in. Got any rooms in the back, he asked. I did indeed, and proudly handed him my new key. What the heck, the customer yelled, ringing the office a couple minutes later. The key you gave me doesn't work. As it turned out, though I had filed the ridges to perfection, I had forgotten to smooth out the edges, so when the customer put the key in, it got stuck. I rushed out to the back to help him. We pushed and we pulled. Finally, we managed to jam it into the doorknob and unlock the room. When the customer laid eyes on the room, his face fell. This is a lot smaller than I was expecting, he said. I looked around the room. There was a bed, dresser, television, small table, and chair. It was modest, sure, but what else did he need? Why didn't you get why don't you get settled in and I'll come back in ten minutes and I'll give you a new key? I asked. Mr. Lewis looked like he was still not sure about the room and the whole stucky key thing. So I threw in, and I'll bring you a free soda. How's that? He perked up and said, okay. As I walked back to the front desk, I shook my head. Why was it that everything in America had to do with money? People wouldn't give you back your key unless you charged them a deposit. They'd hold a simple mistake over your head unless you gave them a free soda. At my old school in China, there was this kind elderly man who lived near the building. Every day, he'd give me a popsicle on my way home in exchange for telling him what I learned at school that day. That was it. No money, no credit cards, just... Hey, how was your school? I sighed. I missed Popsicle Grandpa. There was no one like that here. Here, everything had a price, even kindness. No sooner had I gotten back to the front office than Mr. Lewis called me back to his room. Come back, come back right now, he said into the phone. From the urgency in his voice, I thought it was a real emergency. Had the smoke alarm gone off? Did the television explode? I rushed back to room nine and found Mr. Lewis standing in the bathroom, staring at the trash can. Do you see that? He asked, pointing at the small plastic trash can under the sink in the bathroom. I stared into the black bin. I couldn't see anything. See what? That! He shouted. He picked up the trash can and shoved it in my face. I squinted into the darkness and saw what appeared to be a long, single string. It looked like dental floss. You see it? Mr. Lewis asked. Yes, I see it now. This room has not been properly cleaned, Mr. Lewis said. I assure, well, I assure you it has. Clearly it hasn't, or we wouldn't be having this conversation. I would like another room, a bigger room. Sir, all our rooms are the same size. Mr. Lewis crossed his arms and said, I don't believe you. I would like you to open up every single room and I will pick one for myself. That's when I lost it. Maybe it was my throbbing finger or the two refunds, or Mr. Yo changing the deal, but I couldn't control myself. Sir, that's ridiculous. You can't pick your own room. This isn't a salad bar. As soon as I said the words, I knew I had gone too far, but it was too late to snatch them back. Well, Mr. Lewis said, fuming, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'd like a refund. No, please, Mr. Lewis, I pleaded with him. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that thing about the salad bar. I don't know why I said that. I squeezed my eyes shut and confessed. I've never really been to a salad bar. I've only seen them on TV. Mr. Lewis looked shocked. You've never been to a salad bar? I shook my head. His eyes softened. Why are you doing this? He asked me. Shouldn't you be out playing? I looked away from him. Why were kids in America always playing? Going outside? In China, kids almost never played. 
They had to sit for exams at an early age. Except for family get-togethers, every minute after school was packed with homework, drilling, revision, and dictation. When I went to first grade in China, I only got two minutes a day to play. That's literally what it said on the schedule I made for myself. 5 o'clock to 5.02. Play. I wanted to say to Mr. Lewis that I never really played, and I didn't intend to start now. The other part of me wanted to say, this is playing. I got to run a hotel. Was there any better way to play? In the end, I simply said, I like my job very much. Mr. Lewis looked slightly embarrassed and said, of course you do. I'm sorry. He looked around the room once more. You know what? This will do just fine, he said. Really, I asked. I could not believe my ears. And I'm so sorry I gave you a hard t- such a hard time. Here, let me empty that for you, I said, taking the trash can from his hands. I went outside, quickly emptied the can in the dumpster, and placed it back in Mr. Lewis's room. Is there anything else I can do to make your stay more pleasant, I asked him. Mr. Lewis thought for a second, then he held up a finger and announced, Pillows. Pillows? Yes, I need four pillows. Two for under my head, one for under my legs, and one tug. I smiled. Done.